Welcome everybody to the Extra Credit Show. I am Anselmo Moreno. And I'm Richard David. And we are back again with another podcast this week to help everybody master their credit score so that you guys can get the extra credit that you deserve. Richard, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How was your weekend? Oh, it was great. I was uh, I was at a wedding. Where'd you go? Uh, San Clemente. San Clemente. Mm-hmm. San Clemente um, is probably the most beautiful city I've ever seen. Um, that is an amazing city to be at. Um, so very, very jelly that you were out there. Yeah. Um, I spent the weekend resurfacing my pool. <laughs> so, but enough of that. Um, we wanted to jump right in into uh, our week's edition of the Extra Credit Show. Um, you know, a, a lot of the times I spend the mornings just kind of reading credit repair blogs or reading uh, the CFPB blog. And, and this week they had an interesting blog um, they titled it Three Common Credit Issues and What You Can Do to Fix Them. I wanted to give our, our take on, on that and our spin on that um, because when I first mentioned it to you as a possible show topic, the three common things that they, they allegedly said was lack of enough credit history, one, two, denied credit application, and three, fraud and identity theft. And your immediate reaction was those aren't three common problems. <laughs> Explain that. Why do you, why do you say that? Well... I mean, fraud and identity theft is the fastest growing crime in America, according to a lot of statistics. But when I look at credit reports, and, and remember, guys, all I do is look at bad credit reports all day long. Fraud and Sometimes identity. Sometimes you look at good ones. Very, <laughs> very rarely. If it's mine, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or after I'm done with my clients, then there it looks go. good. There you go. Uh, but fraud and identity theft really is such a small percentage. I mean, I wouldn't even put it past 10%. Uh, that's not a very common um, uh, factor, credit problem. Credit problem. Also, getting denied credit. Uh, people do get denied credit, but most people that get denied credit are people with bad credit, and that's still as bad as it may seem. A small percentage of the population, according to statistics and according to the credit bureaus. So again, it's not a common problem. Um, what was the third one? Lack of enough credit history. Lack of enough credit history. I guess technically that could be a common problem since people are turning 18 all the time and they don't have credit. But it just seems like, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem like a very common um, problem for me. It, and I think that, you know. Sounds like lazy writing. Uh, well, <laughs> and, well, a lot of it is subjective too. Um so, for example, like the denied credit, I, I see that as, well, that can have a lot of reasons. I mean, being denied credit, you could be denied credit because your credit is bad due to fraud or identity theft. Sure. You could be denied credit because you don't have enough, so you lack enough credit history. Sure. Or, you know, self-imposed by having bad credit history. Um, but let's just kind of break it down. You know, lack, lack of enough credit history, it's not just brand new adults. It's not just people that have never began to build their credit. Sure. Um, you know, it could happen to someone who hasn't used their credit in 10 years, so they don't have anything as well. And so I do you, see that. That could happen at any age. Um, and we've had episodes on how to build or rebuild your credit history. Um, but that is an interesting dynamic because that's probably on the surface, one of the most common questions that we get by people that find out when I meet somebody on the street or, you know, at a business networking event, they, they ask, you know, how do you build credit or what is my son just turned 18, what should I tell them on how to build credit? Um, and that goes hand in hand with lack of enough credit history. But where I think it's subjective is what is enough credit history? You know, what 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 exactly does that mean? When That's, is it enough? That is a million dollar question. I know up till recently, even I was getting that little code on 
uh, your, your score is graded such a way because of lack of credit history. And I'm like, no, I, I've had credit for the last 17 years consecutive and I've had accounts open forever, 10 plus years. So uh, according to what I, you know, what I see, you need to have an average age of at least seven years on your open accounts in order to be considered not lacking credit history. Seven years. Yes. That's interesting. That, that, that is quite interesting. So if you're, you're 20, um, 21, 22, 25, you, you may have a hard time meeting that criteria, um, especially if you consistently open up new accounts. Um, so that's interesting. I, I feel in the, the magic formula that we give our clients when they're either on the rebound, trying to rebuild their credit history or trying to establish credit history for the first time, I think that the first thing that we want to go and the first thing that we want to establish is three to five open accounts, open and active accounts. And that could be a mixture of a student loan, a credit card, a personal loan and a car loan, you know, any, any mixture of those accounts. Um, and we want to have them established for a minimum of 12 months. Right? Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that that's enough credit history to to like meet that criteria, but it's enough to meet them to their initial goal which most of the time is going to be to, to get qualified for a mortgage. That's so 12 correct. months, uh, three to five open accounts for 12 months, no late. That's generally the first criteria that probably gets most consumers to a 640 credit score. It's not the best credit score in the world, but it's enough nowadays to get qualified for a mortgage. Very, very interesting. But even with that being done, and even that on the credit report, they're still going to technically have um, a lack of enough credit history uh, on, on the report. And now what you mentioned was the little codes that show up. Yes. Now, these codes show up on credit reports and they're going to be reasons. It's, it's interesting to break that down because they're going to have four codes on the credit score that are going to detail why you have that. The score, score. you have. But it's actually backwards. The, 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 everybody has those reasons. I've had people with 800 credit scores and the scoring formula has to give out four reasons why they're not an 850 or why they're not a max score. So even someone with an 815 will generate reason codes as to why they don't have the perfect score. Even an 849, guys. And that's why you were getting, you know, even even with your credit score, you were you would get these codes of lack of enough credit history because technically, I guess, you didn't meet the criteria to have an 850 yet because of the lack of credit history. It's, it's kind of interesting how that works. Maybe it's a little- No matter geeky. how much history you have, you can always have more. <laughs> apparently um but that's that's it that's that, that's kind of interesting um so so they give out a little a little rundown on how to build credit you know and like i said three to five open active accounts uh, open for at least 12 months is going to be your golden ticket to going on the way to great credit um so well let's talk about denied credit application that's interesting nowadays you can apply for credit on your smartphone at any moment in time and you're going to be asked to apply for credit at every single store that you go to, they're mm. going to have their own store branded credit card um, and they're going to incentivize you with some type of discount. 15% off this first time purchase. Right. Um, certain amount of. Don't get suckered in. Uh, if you go to like <laughs> Best Buy, Home Depot, they're going to give you 12 months, no interest. So it entices you to go big on the purchase or maybe buy something that you wouldn't normally buy. Um, but the point is, is you can apply on the spot. Yes, you can. You know, and I think that a lot of people are getting denied more so than normal, because if we tie it back to the Equifax data breach, it brought fraud and identity theft to everybody's mind. You know, kind of before it was like a, it was in the back of people's heads. They didn't really think about it. But this Equifax scandal brought it to the forefront. And what did a lot of people do? 
they put an initial fraud alert on their credit report. Oh, yes. So maybe they froze their credit file. They did something, right? Maybe they, they signed up for some type of credit monitoring. Regardless, if you have a fraud alert on your credit file, you're going to get denied, regardless of your credit score, you're going to get denied automatically on a on an initial application. You're right. I didn't even consider that, actually. Uh, that is happening a lot right now. Uh, if you have a freeze on your credit report, you're getting denied, period. Um, that's the point of the freeze. <laughs> yeah, that's the point of the freeze. Uh, and right now, one of the what's becoming a common is that people that are trying to unfreeze their credit are unable to, especially with Experian, because Experian will send these consumers a letter giving them this PIN code to unfreeze their credit. And most of these consumers don't save that document. As soon as they get it, they just toss it. They try to unfreeze their credit. They don't have the PIN code and it becomes a nightmare to unfreeze their credit. Yeah, you definitely have to jump through significant more hoops to verify your identity to then be able to unfreeze your credit. Mm -hmm. But it's not just the credit freezes. Um, if you have a fraud alert, it'll also get denied. Now, a fraud alert is very easy to put on if you are... A victim of a data breach, you get a fraud alert for an initial 90 days. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a big old alert on the credit report that when the creditor pulls it, it says that you may be a victim of identity theft and they need to verify your identity further. Now, if you're applying online or at a register, you're going to get denied on the spot and then they're going to mail you something or possibly call you later to verify your identity and then potentially extend the credit to you. That is um, correct. So... But you still kind of have that embarrassing moment at the register. You know, like most people with bad credit don't apply for credit because they already know. If I apply for this, they're going to tell me, oh, yeah, we're going to send you the credit decision in the mail. And that's automatic. Like you're you got denied. They're, they're not sending you no credit decision that says yes. So you're going to get a letter in the mail. We call that the adverse action notice. And it basically is going to tell you who they looked at. So what credit bureau they looked at, what credit model they used, what your credit score was. And, you know, them detailing you detailing why they are not going to approve you for the credit application that you made. In, in some instances, if you have a fraud alert, potentially the letter in the mail could be sent us a copy of your ID and then maybe we can give you the credit line. That does happen. But the point is, you, there could be a lot of reasons why you're denied for credit at the point of sale. Um, so it's not just because you have lack of enough credit history or because you have bad credit. Um, in fact, someone that has really good credit and they apply for credit and they get denied, they probably get extra pissed if they get denied. Oh, one reason that one of the reasons why that could happen is because they may not have income. Some places do require income or enough income, enough income in order to uh, qualify for the loan that they're obtaining uh, or they're attempting to obtain. Uh, so, uh, yes, not just because you have a good credit score is not a, a, you're not going to automatically get approved. That's, you know, sometimes that's a very good point. On most credit applications, they're going to ask you for your income. Very rarely do they verify it. But if you just happen to, you know, not meet their income threshold, you can get denied even with the best credit score in the world. And we don't know that income threshold. Like some, like there's no rule, there's no law that says, all right, this is the minimum income for all banks. No, the banks set their own guidelines. They set their own risk tolerance as far as income well is concerned. Well-kept secrets. So, so, you know, very important to understand that not, it's not just credit score, it could be income. But you know what's another one that happens all, all the time? And a lot of people, and it's good, I mean, it's something to be very proud of, but a lot of self-employed people will put self-employed on the credit application. Yes. And that can sometimes also get an automatic denial because banks don't like to do business with self-employed people. 
being self-employed makes the guidelines for you to qualify or the threshold a lot stricter, a lot higher. Um, it happens all the time and it, it honestly, it can be quite annoying sometimes. But banks do it for a reason. You know, just because you're self-employed doesn't mean that your business is going to thrive and banks have been burned a lot in the past. So they have a reason to impose these higher thresholds. But it can, again, as I said, get very annoying. It's super frustrating. And, I, you know, you look at we always I always like to take a look at both sides. And if you look at it from the bank's perspective, I mean, it kind of makes sense if you're self-employed and then you get injured there, your money stops. Right. Um, so I guess it's a potentially running a higher risk. Um, so oftentimes what I advise my clients is don't just flat out tell them you're self-employed. Tell them you're an employee of and then your company name. You know, you don't have to put it out there like that, that you're self-employed. Um, oftentimes, if you are a corporation or an LLC, technically you are an employee of the corporation. They're not asking, are you, you know, the CEO of the LLC? No, um, it's just simply I'm an employee of this company and that's it. You don't have to put self-employed. I think that's actually the, the buzzword is do not put yourself employed. Um, th that's the word you can put manager, president, you know, CEO, all that works except self-employed. Most of the time when I see self-employed, it's from people whose credit isn't the best and they have a fear of putting down their place of employment. They don't want people knowing where they work. And, it, you know, it runs a lot in the Hispanic community, but it, it's not just a Hispanic community. A lot of people with, you know, not necessarily terrible credit, but not good credit tend to do that a lot. I notice that's a habit of theirs. Uh, because they're scared that, you know, if something happens, they're going to come after their work since they now know where they work. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good points there. Um, so th the whole point is, if you're listening to the show, we've talked about how inquiries can affect your score. And I mean, t technically, we really don't want you to be applying for credit all of the time, um, simply because it's not the inquiries that we're worried about. It's lowering the average age of your account if you do en end up opening a new account. Uh -huh. uh, so hopefully you are not running across these problems. But who's that? Uh, hopefully it's the IRS, friends. It's not. Oh. All right, but, but anyways, hopefully you're not running across these problems of of um, applying for credit all of the time because that that definitely it's not the inquiries that hurt. It's lowering the average age of your account. So th let, let's break it down for them. For example, if you have three credit cards right now that you've had open for 10 years because you opened them back when you were 18 or whatnot, your average age is 10 years. But if you have those same three credit cards and then you open three more credit cards, well, guess what? Now you have 10, 10, 10, 30, 0, 0, 0, 30 divided by 6. The average age just drops down to 5, just like that, guys. And yep. it brings you below that 7-year threshold. So don't. If you don't need it, don't go applying for new credit just because. Now, if you get denied for credit, I mentioned it earlier as to that they have to mail you the adverse action notice. There's actually a lot of rights that get triggered when you get denied for credit. And we want to make sure that you're aware of these rights so that you can exercise them and potentially reapply for the loan in the near future. So the very first thing that has to happen is that they have to provide you with the actual credit score that you generated and that is going to tell you what credit scoring model that they use. If you've been listening to the show, you're familiar with the, all the credit scoring models that are out there. But they also got to give you the credit reporting agency that they use. So they're going to mm -hmm. tell you, we looked at your TransUnion or we looked at your Equifax and this is what they said about you. Mm -hmm. But also the contact information for that bureau. When you get denied, 
it triggers um, a free report for you. So technically, you don't have to pay for a report. When you get denied, you have 60 days from when you get denied to get a free credit report from that credit bureau that the little letter says that they looked at. So now you're able to look at what the lender looked at in case you're not already looking at that bureau anyways. Um, and they also have to tell you um, that if there's an error on this report, if you fix it, then they have to reconsider. That. Yeah, they have to send that credit report back to the lender, the fixed credit report with the removal of the error for their reconsideration, all without a new inquiry and all done within a 60-day time frame. That's very interesting. Have you ever seen that actually work? I have not, actually. Um, I don't think we've ever pushed the envelope that way. Um, but it's technically a, allowable under the law. Sure. Um, so you? I, I've never seen it done. I mean, there's certain things that you just, you know, it, the law says one thing, but the practice is another. And, and I've never actually seen them reapprove someone because their credit score got corrected within those 60 days. Yeah. Almost like I've never seen the credit bureaus actually inform a consumer when they're reinserting an item. They just do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, these are technically the rights that get triggered upon denial. Um, and that's just the way that, that it works. I guess maybe if we try hard enough, if we have one of our clients, I think we can do it. We just never pressed it. If we have a client apply, they get denied. We correct something really quick and then press them to re... Because uh, there's probably a process that you have to go through to have them reconsider. Um, I think we could do it. I think we're going to do it. I'm going to uh, think about some clients that I think that potentially are good good um, candidates for this. Because, yeah, we've never actually seen it done, but it's technically under the law. So there you go. And then fraud and identity theft. That's the other thing. Uh, I guess technically that's... With the big data breaches that have been happening that are going to continue to happen, a lot of people are victims of identity theft um, without. And the, actually, the times that they find out is probably when they get denied for credit. They check their credit and realize, oh, someone's used my identity and haven't, hasn't paid the bills. Mm. I guess that's what makes sense, right? I guess we're still too young into this process to find out, you know, if the the identity theft really has been increasing. We, we got to give it some time to do some more research. But as of right now... I still don't see that many cases. Right. But the point is, is that um, people, I would say that people find out about identity theft when they apply for credit Which and is get true. denied. Which That's is probably true. the most common way that they find out about identity theft is that, they try to use their credit and then they get denied and they look at it and see, oh, I got denied for all this crap that's not mine. Historically, that's been the case. You only find out when you, when you realize there's something on my credit report that doesn't belong to me. And I only found out about that when I applied for credit. Nowadays, you know, consumers who are using uh, monitoring programs like Credit Karma and such, you know, they get told when there's a new account that's been opened or, or, you know, when the new collection hits and they're finding out that way. Now, um, those are the proactive consumers that keep a tab on their credit report. I mean, that is the extra credit way is to keep a tab on your credit report because Otherwise, you're going to get a nasty surprise. You're going to have that embarrassing moment at the cash register where you get denied for the credit application. And, you know, they're going to tell you that they're going to mail you the credit decision in seven to 10 days. You know, that's a denial, hard denial, rejected. <laughs> and nobody wants to go through that. Um, a lot of people that I talk to, 
are actually scared to apply for credit after experiencing that because it's pretty embarrassing. That's one of the reasons why people don't have a, a credit history. They get so embarrassed, they stop using credit altogether. The next thing you know, it's 10 years later and uh -huh. everything's gone. And they have a thin... At a very thin file or no file. They still come to you scared, like, my credit is bad, you know, it, it was so bad, I haven't used it in like 10 years, and then they realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm clean now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, these, this is just uh, a quick little rundown as to what what could potentially happen or t the apparently the top three credit issues and what you can do to fix them. I don't think they're the top three credit issues. I don't think so either. But they're common enough that I think people will find value in, in the insight that we provided. At least that's what we're hoping. Um, what would you say are the top three credit issues if, if you had to say right now? I think that the number one credit issue is credit card balances. Okay. So uh, the number one problem for credit scores right now are the fact that people apply for credit with their credit card balances near the max or or over 50%. I actually would agree. What what would be the next? So uh, the next would would be unpaid collections. Specifically medical. Yeah. Unpaid medical collections. We did a we did a show on it uh, not too long ago, a few weeks back. 25% of all collections no, are wasn't it 52? That's right. It's 52%. That's right. Uh, 20, no, well, there was a 25% in there, but 52% are medical collections. Of all of all collections are medical collections. Yeah. That's an outrageous amount. But people ignore them or choose not to pay them because they're under the premise that medical collections don't affect your score. They do. <laughs> Um, so it's the culprit is, you know, and, and I work with a lot of lenders. I love you guys, but you know, we don't care about medical collections, which is technically true. If the consumer had the score to qualify for the mortgage, unfortunately, the medical collection affects the score and you do care about the score. So yeah. they, they're just as important. So credit card balance is huge. Probably number one, definitely number one, actually, uh, medical collections, probably number two. What do you think is number three? Number three, um, late payments. Uh, a lot of consumers will pay 30 days late on a lot of different accounts, uh, and they'll they'll say, "But but I'm I'm current with them. It, you know, we're fine." Um, no, you're not fine. A single 30 day late on a credit report will make that account negative for seven years. Yeah, y your your score will auto correct itself to a point after the the account ages, but but if you get another late, it, there you go. You're you're done. Yeah. And it's actually breaking it down a little further on the late payments. I think it's ongoing late payments. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, maybe you get one late payment a year. It's still terrible. You'll Absolutely. Never, you never reestablish an on-time payment history. You know, we want 12 clean months. We mentioned that earlier. We want to have, make sure you have 12 months in a row, no lates. Mm -hmm. So if you go seven months in a row with, without a late and then you get a late on month eight, then your 12 months starts over and you never actually start to build a long-term clean credit history. Guys, people with an 800 credit score, they have seven years with no lates or more. So if, they, if someone with an 800 credit score gets a late, they're no longer in the 800 credit score territory. I, I just had an old client of mine, uh, and this was just yesterday. I literally just yesterday, I got a call from an old client of mine saying, hey, you know what? Um, my, my score doesn't keep going up. Every time it goes up 15, 20 points, it drops back down, and I have no idea what's going on. We did an investigation, and one of his creditors is migrating the 30-day late payment to, to, to move to uh, a more recent late than it should be. 
uh, for about seven, eight months, it's been migrating. So instead of being a 2016 30-day late payment, it's now midway through 2017 30-day late payment. Just to show you that your score keeps getting hurt the more recent the 30-day late payment is. His score will not go up because of it. So that's how important a single 30-day late payment is. Now, that's a that's an error at the creditor. Yes. And that's actually rare. What's most common is an actual real late, the client actually paid late. Sure. Um, and that is kryptonite for credit scores, guys. You do not want to be paying late. Um, you do not want to be applying for credit when your balances are high. And you do not want to ignore collections on the credit report, whether they're medical or not. Um, no. You know, the, the I can't, I just, it, it's just impressive how consumers <laughs> will be concerned with their credit score, but unwilling to address the collections. Um, and, and so obviously, you know, our, our role as consultants is to bring them back down to reality, show them exactly what's affecting their score and the right way to address these things. I would say the collections were actually one of the biggest parts on cleaning up your credit report, because unlike banks, creditors or finance companies, that history you can't remove. That history, you, you know, you can partially correct, but it'll stay on there, such as the 30 day late payments. Collections, on the other hand, a lot of them can be removed entirely from the credit report. Yeah. And so in, in essence, in that case, they're a bigger part of your history. And there, and it's just trying to clean up, clean up, you know, when you're doing the credit repair game, it's just trying to clean up as many things as possible. Um, but yeah, that's, that's our take on the most common. And I think based on our perspective and what we do day to day, which is, um, you know, we're, we're credit consultants, we help people master their credit scores, not just on the show, but in real life. Um, that's what we see that, you know, it didn't, this, that question that you said, what are your top three? That wasn't planned. That's actually, we came up with it on the fly. Um, but those are it. I mean, that's, it's easy to come up with that stuff when you practice this every single day. Well, yeah, it's what you see. So, but that's about it for today's show. Richard, you got something else? Um, no, I believe we're good for today. Uh, just keep watching us, keep sharing the show. And if you have any questions, forward it uh, to us at the Extra Credit Show. Yeah, the Extra Credit Show at gmail.com. Take in all questions. We'd be happy to answer them on the show. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at the Extra Credit Show and follow us on Facebook as well at the Extra Credit Show. Guys, I am Anselmo Moreno. I'm Richard David. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>